open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Ever shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him. The epistle is written in the twelfth chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians, beginning at the first verse. Now concerning spiritual things, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were heathen, you were led away to those mute idols, however you might be led. Therefore I make known to you that no man speaking by God's Spirit says, Jesus is accursed. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are various kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are various kinds of service, and the same Lord. There are various kinds of workings, but the same God, who works all things in all. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the profit of all. For to one is given through the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healings, by the same Spirit. And to another, workings of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, discerning of spirits to another different kinds of languages, tongues, and to another the interpretation of languages. But the one and the same Spirit produces all of these, distributing to each one separately as he desires. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God.
The Old Testament lesson for the 10th Sunday after Trinity is written in the 8th chapter of the book of the prophet Jeremiah, beginning at the 4th verse. Moreover, you shall tell them, The Lord says, Do men fall and not rise up again? Does one turn away and not return? Why then have the people of Jerusalem fallen back by perpetual backsliding? They cling to deceit, they refuse to return. I listened and heard, and they didn't say what is right. No one repents of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turns to his course, as a horse that rushes headlong in the battle. Yes, the stork in the heavens knows her appointed times. The turtle dove, the swallow, and the crane observe the time of their coming. But my people don't know the Lord's law. How do you say, We are wise, and the Lord's law is with us? But behold, the false pin of the scribes has made that a lie. The wise men are disappointed. They are dismayed and trapped. Behold, they have rejected the Lord's word. What kind of wisdom is in them? Therefore I will give their wives to others and their fields to those who will possess them. For everyone from the least even to the greatest is given to covetousness. From the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They couldn't blush. Therefore they will fall among those who fall. In the time of their visitation they will be cast down, says the Lord. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the twelfth chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians, beginning at the first verse. Now concerning spiritual things, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were heathen, you were led away to those mute idols, however you might be led. Therefore I make known to you that no man speaking by God's Spirit says, Jesus is accursed. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are various kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are various kinds of service, and the same Lord. There are various kinds of workings, but the same God, who works all things in all. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the profit of all. For to one is given through the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healings, by the same Spirit, and to another workings of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of languages, tongues, and to another the interpretation of languages. But the one and the same Spirit produces all of these, distributing to each one separately as He desires. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before thee. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 19th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When Jesus came near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had known today the things which belong to your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. 
For the days will come on you, when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you, surround you, hem you in on every side, and will dash you and your children within you to the ground. They will not leave in you one stone on another, because you didn't know the time of your visitation. He entered into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. He was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leading men among the people sought to destroy him. They couldn't find what they might do, for all the people hung unto every word that he said. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's gospel is about power. And you're familiar with power. You've seen it. You've been affected by those people who are in power, whether for good or ill. And along with that, everywhere around us are those people vying for power. And you know this because we're in 2023, where even though we're over a year away from the next big election, already the political ads have begun. Campaigns and media are trying to shape their stories for their people. Already there's drama and intrigue and accusations on the campaign trail that would put the most famous TV dramas to shame. And we know why this is. It's because people want power. They're setting themselves up for power for themselves or at least for their own side. In this world, we see why people want power. We see how they use it to fulfill their own desires, to conquer and vanquish their enemies, to be admired by the people, or if you can't be admired by them, at least strike fear into their hearts. A person craves power for himself so he can live a life of luxury, to be idolized, to be a hero. People want power so they can think themselves really as gods. You see, that's what the old Roman emperors believed. That becoming emperor, becoming the supreme ruler, they thought themselves have, as having risen to be sons of God. Men not only idolized them, they thought they were deified because they had power. People today no less crave power for that reason than the ancients did back then. They want power. But power grabs, they're obvious in politics, but they're not just there. They're seen in business and work settings. They're seen in sports and whenever there's money involved. They're seen in homes even, even in churches. You'll see people grabbing for power. You yourselves have seen it in one of these areas of life. Perhaps you've even been one that craved power yourself. And so then we have in our heads images of what power looks like. A president winning an election, signing legislation into law. The biggest and the strongest athletes, sometimes the fastest athletes. We think of it the boss that hasn't made it work. The billionaire that flaunts his money. A domineering father or mother. 
the faction of a church that gets 50.1% of the vote. Or sometimes it's just who has the bigger gun. Those are the images of power we have in our heads. And if you notice this morning, we prayed to God and we mentioned how He has almighty power. So along with all the other power in the world, we recognize God has almighty power. And so we turn to our gospel now and we see how our Lord demonstrates His almighty power. The gospel says, When Jesus drew near and saw the city, that is, Jerusalem, He wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you on Jerusalem, when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. When we think about how people display their power, an image that does not come to mind is a king coming to his own city, falling to his knees, and weeping over it. Because that's an imagery more of defeat. Of a king who's lost the war, who's lost his people, who's lost his country. And in a way, these people are lost. The king's people have been lost. The land has been lost. But in those tears of Christ, there's not defeat, there's power. And in, that, in those tears, the power is seen in the threat to Jerusalem and the unbelieving Jews within it. Since they dismissed the Scriptures, since Jerusalem did not know the time of the visitation of their overseer, their bishop, their Lord, their Messiah, because they missed it, there will now be a terrible, incredible judgment that will come upon them. Our Lord's power is seen here in His threat. And His threat comes to life in what He does next. Luke goes on to say, And He, our Lord, entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. He drove the people out. St. Luke has a very mild or tame way in describing what our Lord does here. The other gospel accounts make it very lively. The other gospel accounts paint a picture of our Lord being a one-man, unstoppable army, entering the temple, making a whip out of cords, overturning tables and benches so that coins are flying everywhere, animals are being scattered, birds are flying about, people are running away in the chaos. And then our Lord stands at the door barring anyone else from bringing merchandise inside His temple. So if there was ever a time when our Lord demonstrated the power that we're used to seeing in this world, it's here at the cleansing of the temple. He pronounces judgment on Jerusalem and the unbelieving Jews, and then He goes and executes that judgment in the temple and carries it out. This is our Lord showing His power in judgment. 
And sometimes we don't know what to do with it because it's a rather frightening scene. There was not a single person in that temple strong enough to stop the king and his terrible judgment. But if you know the history, the history of the temple of Jerusalem, what happens over the next 30 years, you know that our Lord's judgment on Jerusalem only starts here. He's simply beginning his judgment as he overthrows a stone or two. Because 30 years later, our Lord, who, as he reigns in heaven, would show his judgmental power again with a Roman army. And through that pagan Roman army, our Lord would barricade Jerusalem, surround Jerusalem, and hold them captive inside so that no one could get out and no food could get in. And it lasted for a long time. They ran out of food. They became famished. Many died from hunger. Murderous gangs began to roam the streets of Jerusalem, busting into houses to see if they could steal any food that might be hidden. Bodies piled up in the streets from so many that, were, that died from starvation or were killed. Some even turned to cannibalism. Terrible cannibalism that made the Romans squeamish when they saw it. And it took a lot to make a Roman squeamish. So if you want to see the power of our Lord in judgment, you look at the temple here being cleansed, and you read up on the history of the fall of Jerusalem. Because when that happened, the Jews were nearly wiped off the face of the earth. Jerusalem was destroyed. Judea was no longer Judea. The Romans called it Palestine, and they kicked out the Jews. It was a terrible judgment. Violent power was shown by our Lord. And perhaps our Lord hasn't shown such violent power since then. The Lord's prophecy came true. His power was unstoppable. His judgment unmovable. And yet, for all the terrible power shown by our Lord here in this gospel and throughout history to Jerusalem, in the midst, in the context of terrible power and judgment, did you notice how we prayed today? Look at the collect. We prayed, O Lord, who declares, it really should be, O Lord, who manifests your almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Or you could even say chiefly in showing salvation and pity. Our Lord, the King, used His almighty power to cleanse the temple and crush Jerusalem. But here in this collect, we pray to God and we say to Him, in effect, yes, God, you declared your power in judging Jerusalem. Yes, you showed your power in cleansing the temple. Yes, you manifested your power in throwing down every stone in Jerusalem. But God, we know that was not your greatest display of power. God, we know that the greatest manifestation of your power came in merciful salvation and pity towards us. As terrible as our Lord's cleansing the temple and running the people out of the temple was, his power was shown to be even greater when his own blood ran down and gushed out of the temple of his body to cleanse us from our sins. As horrible as the fall of Jerusalem was, 
as the judgment of God pierced and brought down their walls and crushed their people and laid bodies in the streets, our Lord's power is shown to be even greater when His hands were pierced for our transgressions, when He was crushed for our iniquities, when the punishment that brings us peace was put on Him and His body. As great as our Lord's judgment on Jerusalem was, greater still was His power shown to be when He faced our judgment of death for us, when we received His reward of life from Him and He received our condemnation for sin. This Sunday is about power. But our Lord shows us His power of judgment for two reasons. One, it's to warn us. Warn us that we ought to listen to the Scriptures. That we need to know the time of our visitation. We need to know when our overseer, our bishop, our Savior comes to us so we can be ready to receive Him. And the second reason is that the power of our Lord when He comes to us in mercy is much, much greater than when He shows His power in judgment. For as terrible as His judgment is, His mercy is even greater. Now we see in God's judgment where that ends. When God shows His power in judgment, we see the end of that. But the end of the Gospel shows us where our Lord's greater power and mercy ends. And this is what the end of the Gospel says. It says, He was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy Him. But they did not find anything they could do for all the people were hanging on His words. For all of us who have been baptized into our Lord's death, who have received His mercy and pity, who hear and hang on to His words, who receive His body and blood here at the altar, that's who we are in this story. We're the people surrounding Christ, hanging on to His words. Like them, we seek the Lord's words and we cling to them. And meanwhile, as our Lord teaches in His temple and we receive His words, Evil is all around us like evil was all around them, looking to destroy the body of our Lord. Here, looking to kill our Lord, and in our time, looking to destroy the church. But look at how helpless evil is in this case. Luke says they did not find anything they could do. Jesus was teaching, he was saving people, and evil could do nothing about it. We know that evil can destroy the body. Evil can persecute us and kill us in this life. But for those of us who are baptized into the temple of the Lord's body, who in the temple gather in the church and hear our Lord teach, for those of us catechize and keep the Lord's words, for those who receive the body and blood, evil can't do anything to you. Because the power of our Lord in His mercy is far too strong. And evil can't overcome it. It stands by watching and helpless. By the Lord's almighty power manifest in mercy and pity on the cross, we're alive. We're safe. The devil cannot touch you. And that is why we prayed this morning in the collect. That is why we prayed 
and appealed to our Lord in His mercy. Again, the collect, we said, O God, who manifests your almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity, mercifully grant unto us such a measure of your grace that we, running to your gracious promises, may be made fellow partakers of your heavenly treasure. You are baptized, you are saved, you are justified from the Lord's power. And from the Lord's power, we ask for a measure of His grace. Not for us individually, but for the congregation. We ask for His Spirit to grant His graces and gifts to us. And we hear what St. Paul says. He picks up on this. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish or discern between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And so the Spirit gives these gifts, or even the word is graces. The word gives these graces, these powers to His church. So not only does our God manifest His almighty power in Christ crucified, but in and from Christ crucified, He manifests His power in the Spirit by giving His congregation all of these graces, all of these gifts. That's what we're praying for. All of us are sinners who have repented. All of you have been forgiven. All of you are saints that have been given these spiritual graces. Some of you have wisdom to, to guide others. You have wisdom from a long life where you can use that wisdom to help others. That's why that grace is given. Others have been given the grace of knowledge to educate and, and inform others. Some of you have been given the gift of healing, not a miraculous gift, but a gift of being able to relate to others, to hear them, to speak word of, words of comfort to them, to help the widows and fatherless, to help the poor. That's gifts of healing. Others of you have been given the gift of discernment, to tell the sheep from the wolves. We don't see the miracles, we don't see the gifts of miracles or tongues or interpretation much, but we know the Spirit gives those where He will, and we have what we need. But again, notice why these graces, these powers, are given to the church. It's for the common good. The Spirit doesn't give us these gifts so we can be powerful in and of ourselves and force our own way in this world. No, He gives us these graces so we may help each other get here. We can help each other gather around our Lord every week so that we can together receive the power of our Lord's mercy. We have these graces so that in baptism together we may be joint partakers and receiving and hanging on to our Lord's every word and our Lord's heavenly treasures at this altar. Where evil cannot touch us. We use these mercies to come together where evil cannot touch us as we gather around the flesh and blood of our Lord. When the world looks at us and 
Maybe when we look at ourselves, we in the church don't have much for power. You don't have a very charismatic preacher. We don't have much for money. We don't have the most beautiful church building. We certainly don't have any power or influence here. Not worldly power or influence. But what we do have is even more powerful, and that is God Almighty who visits us and uses His power and mercy for us. He uses the power of graces to help each other. Who gives us a gospel which will bring us to our resurrection. May we take stock of those graces and serve each other. May we use these powers in the greatest way in bringing each other here. So that when our visitation comes, when our time of visitation comes every Sunday at this altar, and when our time of visitation comes on the final day, we may together be ready to cling to His every word and be with Him forever, safe from every evil. Amen. Now may the peace of the Lord, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
Just at the right hand of God In the glory of the Father We believe that Thou shalt come To be our judge We therefore pray Thee mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O God, who declares your almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity, mercifully grant unto us such a measure of your grace, that we, running the way of your commandments, may obtain your gracious promises and be made partakers of your heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you, so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, 
that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our president, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our governor, the legislature of this state, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, Help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, 
being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen.